You're listening to Front Porch Theology, a podcast of New Heights Church. We laugh, we argue, we carry on. So welcome to our Front Porch. Have a seat and let's get into it. Welcome to the Front Porch Theology Podcast. I'm Heather, your host, and this is one of our summer series podcast. I'm not sure what I'm trying to say, but it's not that. Anyway, it's one of our special episodes where uh, we have guests. Um, You will notice that Jeremy and Will are not here with us. And here with me today are my friends, Tina and my friend, Patrick. All right. So uh, Tina and Patrick go uh, to church here with us at New Heights. And we're going to be talking about um, a topic that's specific to them. And our pastors were really... um, really wanting to happen and we've been trying to make it happen for a while so we're very happy to have you both here today and um hopefully it's a good experience for you all <laughs> we shall see we'll see um jeremy's not even me. here that wasn't me <laughs> i thought i fell off the stool um oh i was like why are you texting me baker stop um i asked him to so um today we're going to be talking about a topic that um is going to be familiar to us all um because we either um know someone who's struggling with this or it could be you who is actually struggling with it so um today we're going to talk about fighting cancer and keeping your faith and um I just want to say how appreciative I am for of you guys to um, have you all on here and that you agreed to do it. Um, I know this is uh, probably a very vulnerable topic for you both, um, just because um, because of the topic of the conversation. It's um, a t- it's something that you go through that's brought in all the emotions and all the feels as you've been on your journey. So I'm going to let Patrick go, go first, if you don't care, Patrick. And I would like for you to give just a brief background, um, what you're comfortable sharing with us of, um, of your journey with cancer, your diagnosis, um, all the details of that. Yeah, sure. So I was diagnosed in August of 2021. So I'm coming up on almost two years of my diagnosis. Wow. Um, feels like it's very short and very long at the same time and tina probably agrees with that um so i initially thought i was going to the hospital with covid so it was during like the peak of covid and i had just been to my doctor for a regular checkup was completely fine on monday um all my levels were great i was having no issues and come thursday morning four days later three days later Started having this like suffocating feeling on my chest. Had didn't know what was going on, and called Amber and said, "Hey, I need to go to the hospital. I think something's wrong." So we go. We go to a couple of the hospitals around here, and obviously, COVID time, everything, everything is yeah. just completely packed. So yeah. we're waiting. We waited 14 hours in the parking lot at Cabell, and they couldn't get me in. St. Mary's couldn't get me in, so we ended up going to Ironton to the small St. Mary's ER over there. Luckily, they weren't busy at the time, so they got me right in, um, did my test, and then they were like, well, something's going on because your white blood cell count is extremely elevated. So just kind of put it in perspective, my white blood cell count was almost 20,000. And they were like, you've got some, some infection or something's going on. So they come back in and they were like, all right, we see something on your CT scan. They were like, we need to go back in and give you some contrast, and we need to take you back in for another scan. They did that, came back in. Doctor walks in, and obviously this is just off the scan. Doctor says, we think you have cancer all over your body. 
So I was like, all right. So they take me to. So they just, they just like dropped It was that. very, bedside manner wasn't great, unfortunately, yeah. but kind of just dropped that on me. And so, they said that they thought you had it all throughout your yes. body. So, and so obviously I'm sitting there and I think, I'm like, are you, are you serious? And Amber, obviously at this point, my wife is just, she immediately hysterical. starts bawling. Yeah. She's hysterical at this point. And because we, once again, think I'm just going in for COVID. Yeah. And take me to the ICU and that's where all the testing started. So um, I ended up having the suffocated feeling came from a, a pericardial infusion. So I had almost two liters of fluid around my heart and my heart sac that I had to go in and have a pericardial tap done. They took me into another surgery and did a pericardial window where they actually opened up my chest um, and put a tube in. And that's actually how they found the cancer. They tested the fluid um, and it tested positive for adenocarcinoma, which is a type of lung cancer. Um, so I went through all that. They did the biopsy where, you know, you get the 18 inch long needle shoved through your back, right into your lungs. So that's when they found out that it was primary. So one thing they looked at was, is it somewhere else in the body? Cause I had just had surgery eight months prior. Scans were done. CEA levels, tumor levels were all done. Nothing. So they take that they send that off and they find out that i have a very rare mutation that's called alk or anaplastic lymphoma kinase um so everybody has this gene in their body when they're born but it kind of goes dormant um it really aids in the development of your gut when you're going through kind of that gestational period and being formed um and mine just came out of dormancy and it's extremely rare so out of all lung cancer four percent or less of all lung cancers actually show up as alk and um, out of those 50 to 75 percent are 40 years or under so it, it it's kind of brought to the new life kind of what's going on in the lung cancer realm so yeah. before it was known as kind of a smoker's issue hey you've done it to yourself but now over the last especially couple years it's really come to light that you know there's alk there's ross one there's egfr there's so many mutations that they're finding out that are never seen from people that have smoked so for instance mine is found in what's called never smokers so someone who smoked very very little to none in their entire life how old were you when you got your diagnosis so i was 35 35 at the time of my diagnosis so I just turned 37. Wow. And been on a, luckily with my mutation, I do not have to have chemo yet. Yeah. Um, so no port, no nothing at the moment. So I'm on an inhibitor that actually attacks the cells from the inside and stops the mutation because how ALK works, it acts as a communicator so it binds to other cells and just continues to replicate so that's why it's very aggressive so mine was found unfortunately in late stages so i'm considered terminal even though um obviously i haven't missed a day of work or anything so you're living with this terminal illness and it it just kind of seems surreal at the moment right yeah but um you go through and do all of this but because of that i'm able to still work it's still um, doing its job so there are multiple different and they're called TKIs that I can take before I would have to move on to a trial or to a chemo or anything wow okay so I obviously <laughs> I love I don't love that you both have to be here so that we can cover this topic but I love the different diversities and it just um, truly shows that disease truly, uh, just like death, um, is not specific to, mm. to 
uh, age, you know, it's not limited. I mean, we see all the time, unfortunately, children who are diagnosed. And over, I think as we go further in the future, we'll see a lot of different adaptations mm-hmm. of things. And um, just so thankful, um, you know, that even you, you said that you're considered terminal. And like since we started, I've just had chills on me. But um, I'm just so thankful that the day and age that we mm-hmm. live in that um, – you know, for you, that's not a death sentence. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the good um, thing is because there's so many trials out there. Yeah. And I think Tina can attest to that as well. There's so many trials, yeah. not just for myelin cancer and hers, but for yeah. so many that are out there. But to your point, I'm in multiple, you know, support groups and everything for yeah. my specific mutation. Yeah. And we just had an eight-year-old child, his grandmother came on the other day and was like, hey, my grandson at eight years old was just diagnosed with stage four. And unfortunately, with the type of cancer it is, with the mutation, because it's so aggressive, over 85% of my specific mutation doesn't get found until it's stage four, wow. which means it's progressed well beyond the area. So like mine's primary lung. Right. But when they found it, I have two spots in my cerebellum on the back of my brain. I have a spot on my frontal lobe. Um, and then it's on my sternum, my ribs, my spine, and both of my femurs and my hips. Right. So... Um, you know, it, it just depends on where it is. But, you know, with ALK, it, the one thing that doctors like to watch is it loves to travel through the bloodborne Which into the results brain. in you having to have multiple scans. Yes. So I get scans every three months, every three months um, so. for my brain. So I have two different oncologists to look at it. So I have my primary oncologist that handles everything outside of my brain. So he handles the bone scans. He handles my lungs. He handles all of that. So I go every three months for those scans. Um, he actually just wanted to go every six months because I'm doing so well. And I was like, we're going to call it in the middle and we'll go for every four months and just make it okay um and then i go for my radiation oncologist which is who did my um, brain treatment so i had stereotactic radiation which is a cyber knife so it's very pinpointed so um just imagine taking a laser pointer and pointing at a very specific spot on your head that's the only area that that radiation treats it doesn't affect anything else but unfortunately it can kill that and you can suffer from necrosis and inflammation, and which is what I go through yeah. sometimes. Um, but for the time being, my bones are completely healed up. My tumors in my lung are almost completely gone, and I have no activity in my brain. Well, I have brain activity. My cancer activity is not there anymore. So I want to make sure I at least state that right. That was beautiful. Well, beautiful. We'll see about that one. We'll see. <laughs> that was beautiful. But love a little humor and and when where this is a a heavy topic so miss tina um give us a little bit of background about you okay well i went to see my family doctor back in 2015 and i had a lump on my breast and she looked at it and she immediately um set me up with an oncologist the next day she knew it was cancer just by looking at it yes and um So I went to see that oncologist, and he did the biopsy and then came in and said, well, the horse is out of the barn. You have breast, bone, and lung cancer. So like Patrick was saying earlier, there was no bedside manner. Um, The little nurse that worked there, she called me at home that night. I mean, she was crying. She's like, I'm so sorry, you know. Yeah. Bless her heart, yeah. And um, she's like, I'm going to recommend that somebody else see you. You know, I, he was unprofessional. You know, so then I got my oncologist now, and I love him. <laughs> good. We're blessed with really good ones. We go to the same we place. Oh, awesome. <laughs> we go to the same place, and yeah. 
and our scans are scheduled about the same time. Yes. You know. I'll just carpool. Yeah, Amber's going to haul y'all around. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> y'all get on the same schedule. Make a full day make of it. So you had your first, was that your first diagnosis in 2015? Yes. Okay. Yes. And since then, um, when I met with my oncologist, he said, you're stage four. Um, I'm not even going to do chemo or radiation. It's more about quality of life than quantity of life. You're just going to be miserable. Pretty much, you're not going to be around much longer. Wow. <laughs> and here I am. Yeah. Well, I know. Um, I speak, I'll speak for me and everybody else who knows and loves you. Um, never been more thankful and grateful that somebody was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly, I didn't know that about your story, Tina. So I appreciate, I appreciate you sharing that. <laughs> Makes me love and appreciate you a whole lot more. Um, so first diagnosis, 2015. Yes. I'm Ugly bedside manners. <laughs> We're going to have to teach these people some customer service skills or something. Um, prognosis was not good. Well, I'm actually still on the same medication reg- regimen. Um, recently, let's say three months ago, um, there were some active spots on my bones and my hips. So he wanted me to do radiation. So that was my first round with radiation. And um, he literally told me that... Um, people that's on my medication, there's no studies, there's nothing, because nobody's been around that long. Wow. <laughs> Praise God, though, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so, if you don't mind, um, how old were you when you got your diagnosis in 2015? Uh, 44. 44. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> um okay so um sorry (laughs) no you're good it's okay this might be the only time i've ever cried on the podcast um okay so i know that this guys um and you both have been believers for a long time um and through the journeys that you all have been through um i know that i can speak for everybody else who knows you've just been truly an inspiration just to know the things that you've gone through and um you know the things that we've even prayed for you and patrick you know as you were retelling not retelling but as you were telling our listeners kind of your your background like i i could just see the posts and the pictures and kind of relived all that and how we were all just trying to um how we were just trying to cover you guys in prayer and Mm -hmm. all of that unknown um and I remember, I think it was a Sunday morning, you guys were possibly still in the hospital over in Ironton, and that was after you'd sat in, in the parking lot and stuff. And I just remember, um, you know, we, we didn't know you guys very well, but just, um, you know, just having church family. And I, I, w- I want to know what you guys think. Um, how has cancer affected your faith? And I, I know you all have... Um, I'll say I'll say this for you all. We have a pretty awesome church family. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We do. Um, which I'm just thankful for. So I, I want to know, in, in these seasons that you've had, um, how has the diagnosis of cancer and, and the struggle and the journey you've walked through, um, I can't imagine the last few months for you having to rehear that you have active um, after all this time right um how that has affected and and even patrick um 
just as a parent. Right. How um, <laughs> how you must have struggled mm-hmm. um, with asking God why. Yep. Or what are we going to do or how are we going to make it yep. as a dad, just knowing that you have this diagnosis and um, – you know, if you're like if you're like anybody else, if you Google it, you don't want you wish you never would have. Um, so I want to know, and you all can be as honest as you want or uh, not. I want to know how this has affected your faith. Well, interesting enough, <laughs> um, you know, we hear all the time that God has His own plans, and um, that is definitely true. Um, oh no, we're crying again. <laughs> this has to do with Patrick. Um, when he was first diagnosed, I asked God to please give him what life I had left because of his kids. <laughs> and God had a better plan. <laughs> Here we both are. <laughs> so turning to God, you know, was, is a big thing. Um, I've had people when I was first diagnosed, um, you know, people that have fought breast cancer actually have told me that you're going to get angry with God. You're going to get mad at God. You know, you're going to, and I've never been angry. I've never been mad at God. Um, you know, just, let's do it. <laughs> All right, God, let's go. Let's do it. That's kind of been my go. <laughs> well, <laughs> I will say I know that some of us have, have been upset and questioned on your behalf. Um, and I'm thankful that God is a big enough God that he, (laughs) if, if you don't have the questions or the anger, I'm glad that he's big enough that he can accept, um, that on your behalf for us because he knows how much we love you. And well, I definitely couldn't do it without my church family. That is for sure. Patrick, how is, um, how's your cancer journey and the diagnosis? How has it affected your faith? So I think it's it's kind of a hard question when we were talking about it and you sent those out or we were talking about it, right? So yeah. as you think about it, because, you know, as an elder, one of the yeah. things I look back on of, you know, as an elder in New Heights and we have people who've lost family or they've lost someone very close to them, you think of what you talk to them, you think of how you've kind of counseled them through it. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, do I need to trust what I said? Right. And it's like you're you're thinking back (laughs) on it and you're like, all right, what does this mean? Like, because all of a sudden it like it's a reality because we've grown up in church. We've listened to the gospel. We listen to these sermons. We we pray. We read our Bible. and We're like, oh, nothing's going to waver that. Right. Like I've got I've, I've got a strong faith. And then all of a sudden, like you get to Tina's point, like the my doctor wouldn't even talk about prognosis he would just look at me and the only thing he told me was if this was two years ago i would give you six months or less wow (laughs) so to know that one god's allowed that much to move forward in terms of research and everything for everybody in the cancer community i think that's one of the things that even builds your faith up stronger um because now you know you read these stories or you talk to people who have truly struggled through their faith when they get hit with maybe not even a cancer diagnosis, but a severe health diagnosis, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Or something, some hardships happen, and now all of a sudden they let that entire situation 
allow them to stop believing in God. Yeah. And that's hard to see. So I think, you know, for me, it's there were questions, right? It's like, God, I'm 35 years old. Yeah. Like, I'm an elder. I'm a pastor. Like, I, I, I try to live the way that you want me to live. Like, why would this, why happen, would this happen? Right. Yeah. And like, I want to be honest because that's that human propensity that it Absolutely. comes about. And it's like, why is this happening? It's like, because no one was allowed in the hospital with me overnight. So like, I'm literally overnight. Like, so as we left the hospital, Amber had to come home as they transferred me to the ICU from the ER in Ironton. So I was alone in the ambulance. I was alone all night until eight o'clock the next morning, trying to think like, and you don't want to Google, like you said, (laughs) you don't want to Google because all that does is give you horrible thoughts. And you're like, there's no hope. But I think, when fortunately we serve a God that we know there's greater hope in, Absolutely. right? Um, no matter what it is. And one of the things that, you know, brought me back to it was Psalms 103, you know, tells you, it says, my soul bless the Lord and all that is within me and bless his holy name. And my soul bless the Lord and do not forget all of his benefits. Like, so like he's going to bless us and he's going to make sure that we have what we need regardless. And whether that's me leaving and him saying your time on earth's done, I have the faith that he's going to take care of my family and they're going to continue on the path that he has set for them. But it is difficult. I, I want like, and you know, to those who are listening, like you're going to, I, those questions are going to come up. Like, yeah. Because, I mean, all of a sudden, it's a reality. Like, this is things that happen to everybody else. It's not supposed to happen to me, right? Especially at 35 years old or at 10 years old or 15 years old. And I think that's the thing, too, that really shatters people's faith is that how can a compassionate God allow this to happen in such a young child? Yeah. How can it allow it to happen in a 35-year-old or a 44-year-old? Yeah. Like, you still have an entire life ahead of Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And then it just makes it rough. But I think not only that, but having that church family has really allowed um, that foundation to be there to continue your faith. Yeah, when Patrick was in the ICU with COVID and hospitals and everything, I found a way to make it into the hospital, into <laughs> the ICU you to see Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell your secrets, <laughs> Tina. Keep them, oh, I'm not. Keep them locked away. Uh, but just know if there's a will, there's a way. That's if you're correct. ever in the hospital, Tina's going to sneak in to see you. Um, I love that, Tina. Um, I think a lot of people, um, I love that you did that. Um, I love that she did that. Because you have been a mom to so many of us in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and it was hard because Patrick, I could see the fear on his face. And like... I couldn't even talk to Amber because I didn't want him to feel like we were saying stuff, yeah. that, you know, about him that we didn't want him to hear. You know, so that well, was I it mean, was hard I, to be there for both of them. And you know, Patrick knows your story, and you all have been very close through the years. You all have right. done group and everything together, and you're living off together. And um, I'm certain, you know, he just said he he probably experienced one of the loneliest times of his life. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because of the COVID restrictions and. For you, who um, is somebody who loves her church kids so well, <laughs> for him to just be able to see your face and um, and know your struggle, know your journey, yeah. to be able to say, you know, 
This is just another. I said we were in it together. This you is are, just a, right? Yeah. Because are, there's a yeah. difference between, like, even when Amber's there during the day, mm-hmm. she can talk to me about what the doctors right. are talking about, but she hasn't lived through it. Right. She doesn't know the yeah, diagnosis totally and how. Different. Because there's not only the physical piece, there's there's a true mental piece to it as well. Absolutely. And that yeah. mental piece is probably harder most days than the physical yeah. element. Yeah. And what you're dealing with. So having someone there who's been through it and who is suffering through it right now and yeah. surviving it, like being able to actually have a conversation that they truly understand what you're dealing with, like means everything. So, so um, I have two more questions. We're doing really good. Um, <laughs> so um, I'm going to skip down to my last one, though. So um, not I, I said us as a church, but what, what would you um, – what we what would you say to somebody who's trying to love on and be um, a member, a family member, or a friend um, to somebody? Um, as you were talking, Patrick, earlier, I I kept thinking of like super cheesy things people would say to us um, that that I have learned myself. Um, once you go through hard times, you don't say that again. Mm-hmm. Like. Um, God gives his biggest battles to yep. the strongest soldiers. And um, I can't even think of all of them right now because they make me see red sometimes. Um, and the, the saying, God's not going to put more on you than you can handle, mm. it's not, which, it, which isn't, isn't even, biblical, right? It we isn't know even that. biblical, but, you know, we were all taught, it, <laughs> taught yep. that saying right. growing That's up. Right. Um, what would you say, um, somebody who's not experienced it, like you just said, you know, you, you, there were times you probably couldn't talk to your wife because of the mental aspect. So just that kindred, um, kindred bond that you and Tina have knowing the struggle, what would you say to somebody who's trying to love on or be there for somebody? Like what's the best advice you can give somebody? Even, even us as a church, like how, how, what's something that somebody did that was helpful or, um, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe it's not saying that cheesy crap that. (laughs) (laughs) So one, I would say not the cheesy stuff, right? Because I think one thing that I didn't like, you know, and I still get it today is, oh, you don't look like you have cancer. You don't look, you look healthy. Like I appreciate that, but that, that doesn't help. Like that's just one of those things I think from the mental standpoint that, it's a, it's that reminder that I have it, and while I want to look healthy, I don't want you to remind me of that. Like, and that's fine. <laughs> right. Like, it, sometimes yeah. it's better to just not say anything. We're not yeah. defined by our cancer. That's correct. We're not identified. With, that's, that's correct. Not our den- identity at all. At the end of the day, like I'm running the cancer. I'm not going to let the cancer like control yes. me, right? Yes. And I think patience is one of them too. I don't know if you would agree with that, Tina. But yes. sometimes you know people want to reach out. And, you know, they get upset if you don't respond immediately. Sometimes yeah. it's maybe I don't want to talk about it right now. <laughs> I don't want maybe Like, you, we can talk, talk about something else. <laughs> right. But I don't want right. maybe it's something's gone on. Maybe I'm just at that moment where I've been around too many people. I've had yeah. too many people asking mm-hmm. me about it. Maybe I just went to the doctor and maybe my scans were good and my blood levels were off. I don't know. Maybe it's just something that you don't know about. That yeah. Something's going on I haven't talked about. But I don't want to talk about it right now. Yeah. Like, just express some of that so patience. Have you, so have you all ever been in a place where you can say, hey, I just don't want to talk about it right now? Yes. Like, I'm yes. very I'm very good. brutally honest and upfront. Good. So, like, I'll be honest with people if, like, and that's just how I am in, in regular life as well. <laughs> but, like, if someone says something like, hey, like, I appreciate the concern. I'm doing well, but we're not going to talk about it right yeah, now. Good. And I good think just having that open, honest dialogue yeah. is probably the most important in any of those conversations. Well, and you know, I think I think for people who've never experienced it, like that, 
like I want you to be honest. You know, mm-hmm. a, a lot of times when somebody wants to share something with me, I'll say, "Do you want me to listen or do you want my advice?" That's good. That's excellent. Um, and I've had to learn to say that because a lot of times they just need to vent. They just need to run off the mouth and let it let it die there. You know what I mean? But sometimes they they want advice. They mm-hmm. want good biblical or and you know and then you know whether they want to hear truth. Correct. <laughs> or if they just need. A listening ear and um i i've i've tried to do that with everybody who comes to me with problems and i it, that's something i've tried to adapt so cut the cheesy crap don't be saying stuff um give people <laughs> patience and time you gotta meet the people you gotta meet us where we're at too yeah mm-hmm. like patrick and i are two totally different people and what he may need and is supportive to him is totally told. opposite for you right so right. you have to meet people where they're at right yeah that's exactly right i mean like Patrick does all the education stuff and looks up and he wants to know everything about the cancer and me. I'm just like, eh, eh, day by day. And that's completely fine, <laughs> right? right. And, and that's yes. completely okay because they're, I mean, we're all over the board. Yeah, so, so like, you're going to meet people where they're at. Absolutely. And I'm one of those people, to your point, that love the education piece of it. I want to be able to go out and be a supporter of it in the community and talk about it. But that's not everybody. Yeah. And knowing if that's that person or not and knowing who you're mm-hmm. talking to, I think, is very important as well. What was something that somebody um, somebody said or did that was helpful? I, um, so I, so a lot of times when I know somebody is struggling with something, I don't like to text or call, but I'll send like a card or a, or a funny gift. Um, so and I always like to ask people like, what was something that was helpful to you? Like, was it a bag of M and M? You know what I mean? Like, was it a bag of M and M's? Was it a gift card to dinner so you didn't have to? go somewhere was there something that stands <laughs> out to you that <laughs> i mean there's been helpful? so many good gestures over the last i mean i'm sure you probably oh, absolutely had that too um in all honesty is that helpful to you or no like leave me alone don't drop no like it makes porch. me feel good but like it also let's, i, I let's think have there's the truth patrick was i that think there's a point you? so if mill trains i hate <laughs> she, like personally them. i hate mill trains <laughs> because i'm also out. that person that doesn't want to feel like someone's obligated to Shut do something up. for me because that's just how i feel like if uh-huh. i'm well, like i'm just not that person you're gonna so, take the food that like, i gifted <laughs> so you while it love. was like it was greatly appreciated and so right. the reason why is because amber was amber's going through it, was, it with me yeah, yeah, so it absolutely. allowed some mental yeah. stress off of her yeah, to not have to worry about it yeah our kids were able to eat without having to worry about amber going out and getting something right. or family yeah. coming over so that was those are wonderful for that yeah. it's just my personality i'm like it i don't want to feel like i'm being given something yeah um but in all honesty the cards are great like just yeah. i'm thinking of you i'm praying for you yeah. and because at the end of the day like just someone praying for you i think That's so much better than you look not or I, you look like you're not sick right i think a lot of times we say um what can i do for you besides pray and uh, like that's the most important thing you can it really do is. like don't it call is. me don't say like you don't have to do anything like your prayers are the thing that are most helpful to yeah. me just, and like i got a lot of text that's when i first got diagnosed that you know hey They'd send me a long text. I'm praying for you. This is what I'm thinking of. This is what I'm praying for. Do not feel obligated to yeah. text me back at all. Yeah. Like, I mean, and, those are the and like just allowing that, that open conversation yeah. if, if you, I wanted to talk about it. I'm here if you need it. it, but don't yeah. feel obligated to text me back. Absolutely. Okay. So, last question, and then we're going to wrap it up. Um, what would you, what advice, passage of scripture, what, what would you say to somebody who's just been diagnosed and isn't um, 
Let me see how the question, how I read it. Who's recently been diagnosed or has a loved one who's been diagnosed? Like, what what would you tell them? What would you um, suggest to them through the journeys that you all have been on? Um, I would start off with the loved ones. Um, the person that has cancer doesn't need to hear, oh, I'm so sorry, you have cancer, and you break down on them because they're trying to take care of themselves. Yeah. You know, and... Having to take care of everybody else around them is just very stressful. Yeah. Um, take it day by day. Um, don't go in with any expectations. And um, when you are feeling down, look at God's miracles. I mean, even if it's how blue the sky is. Yeah. You know, how green the trees are. I've had to do that several times just to get in that good. Yeah. That's good, Tina. Yeah. I would agree with that. You know, I think being patient with them again i think patience is of the utmost importance but i think if you're looking at from a biblical standpoint and not straying away from your faith and because it's going to be tough when you go through with them you know i remember multiple conversations with amber in our house and everything behind closed doors and you know like why is this going on like what did we do like what did we do to deserve this and it makes you think back to the bible and you're like no one in the Bible deserved like the blind man didn't deserve and we're all he wasn't sinful. Like his sins didn't cause him to be blind. Besides, well, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't have just turned back, we're all gonna be Saul, right? <laughs> but no, I mean in, in all reality, like we read these passages and it's like we want to think that we get sick because we did something or yeah. because you know I don't know, just because God has this plan in place for us. But that plan's okay because he's going to allow us to go through it. But I think when we look at it and we realize that God's our refuge, he's our strength. And if we remember that, like, we're not going to falter. We're not going to fail. We may not be here in person, but we're going to cross over and we're going to be with him at some point. And I think for me and for my family, that was one of the greatest things and that we could sit down and actually talk about and make sure that we understood that's good patrick all right guys i'm sure there's something i should have asked that i didn't i'm sure there's something i said that i shouldn't have somewhere along the way but um i i don't know that i've ever closed a podcast like this don't you look at me baker um usually i flub them up really bad closing them out but um if you let's i would love to pray for both of you guys um we already said that prayer is the best thing so you're you're not going to reject my prayer so Father, um, I just thank you so much for Patrick and for Tina, Lord. Um, I thank you that the struggles and the difficult times and the bad days and the um, the times of uncertainty and question and doubt, um, Lord, that you have just wove those moments and those days into their story, Lord. And um, I thank you that, Lord... Um, that they're both such an encouragement. Um, I don't know that either of them said a bad thing today, and I want to say bad things on their behalf um, just because I know um, how tough cancer is. And, Lord, I just thank you that um, through all of their struggle and their journey that they're on um, with cancer, Lord, that they are um, still here today just saying, praise God. Um, thank you, Lord, um, for what you've brought them through, for how it's gave them a different perspective on life and and um 
as Patrick said, you know, he's able, he's been able to have difficult conversations with his family. And um, Lord, I know that they're both going to use this um, part of their story, Lord, um, to give you honor and glory and praise, Lord. And um, they already have. And I know that they will, Lord, um, no matter how it ends, Lord. Um, I thank you for both of them. I thank you for the testimony that they both have, Lord, and how it's encouraged me, Lord. I thank you for allowing me to be a part of their church family, to just love on them, Lord, and have them in my life, Lord. So I pray, Lord, that this um, helps someone who may be struggling, um, either with a loved one who who is struggling with cancer or someone who may be struggling with cancer. Lord, I pray that um, Patrick and Tina's story and the things they've shared today is just an encouragement or um, a way to point them back to you, Lord. Thank you for all you're doing in our lives, Lord, and all that you'll continue to do and use their lives as um, good and honoring things for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening, friends. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, submit them on the New Heights Church app. And we'll catch you next time. Watch for deer. <laughs>